Well, Queens, you asked and you are now receiving. And me and Julia are back again. Hi, Julia. Long time no see. <laughs> Absolutely. Hello. Nice to see you again. Oh, no. It's gone stopped. I know. I was just thinking, wait, you just froze oh, no. but now you've gone back. Can you hear me? Can you see me? Hope it doesn't do that too much. Yes. Okay, cool. If it keeps doing that, we'll start all over again. But let's keep going at what's meant to be all meant to be. Let's yep. dive in with the first question. So we got so much positive feedback from the other episode we did together, which if you haven't listened to or watched yet, definitely go back. It's not that long ago and it's called, wait, was the, the shit no you we've done together? About. Which one am I talking about? <laughs> the shit no one talks about in ED recovery. That's it. And we've had such incredible feedback and they've asked us to do one again together. So we're going to make it a regular thing and we're going to start off by basing it on questions that are given to us. And we're just going to speak honestly and openly about that. So let us know if you have any other ideas, always give them to us and we've got a list going and we're just going to do our best to get through as many as possible. So let's start with the first one from our lovely Gracie. And Gracie says, if you could go back and change one thing from the past, would you? And if so, what? Julia, I'm going to hand it over to you to answer first. Okay, um, you just froze again then, but back. Okay, all good. So if I could change anything and go back. It's kind of an easy question and a difficult question all at the same time, because I would love to go back and tell my younger self that I love her mm. and not treat myself so badly and just be so down on myself. Mm. But everything that's happened has led me to the incredible place I'm at now and to feeling as good as I feel now and to be able to do the the coaching and help other people and that just feels like it was all meant to be and leading to this place and without the experiences of the decades in the eating disorder and the self-criticism and all that I wouldn't be who I am today so yeah there's a part of my heart would love to just go back and just say to little me I love you and you're good enough yeah but everything else happened for a reason and it's made me who I am today so no I wouldn't change it even though it was hell it was shit but I still wouldn't change it how about you the exact same answer and I knew it like I intuitively knew we'd have the same answer because if I even went back and said to little me, I love you, you're enough, that might have changed the course of my actions somewhere along the line, which wouldn't have led me to the woman I am today. So like you said, it's easy to answer from a position of where we are now looking back. But in answer to you specifically, yeah. Gracie, I would not change a single thing about the past because every tiny choice I made has got me right here today recording this with my beautiful friend Julia so I wouldn't change anything so I hope that gives someone help um hope and help who is 
currently perhaps in the hell hole of an eating disorder or an abusive relationship or even if it's with themselves whatever it will whatever it might be that where you currently are is actually go is actually preparing you almost like I'm thinking of a caterpillar into a butterfly it's preparing you for the woman you are becoming and all you have to do to become her is make choices that feel aligned along the way and take action right yep yeah a complete metamorphosis yes love that word metamorphosis and I can I can say it oh that's an extra bonus yeah (laughs) epic (laughs) well done let's go on to okay so we've got a question by at micah5227 from instagram perhaps or it might be youtube either way hi micah so she's wanting to know something about the timeline in which things happen so i'm not recovered yet and i would like to know how far i am i know everyone is different but maybe there are similarities so in fact i'm gonna go first because i let you go first last time is that okay (laughs) of course it is (laughs) So I wrote down, I haven't done much prep, but I wrote down this because I think it was in really in alignment with what I want to say. I believe that how quickly you recover is in direct reflection of how willing you are to go all in with the recovery process. And what I mean by that is, of course, unfortunately, I can't give you a time scale because everyone is different. But if I'm going to share what I do, did do and that's not what I would advise anyone to do meaning after the anorexia I was in anorexia recovery I was quote weight restored and I went on with my merry life from the age of about 18 kind of having it was definitely a better relationship with food but I absolutely was not fully recovered and so then I spent up until I from the age of like 18 to 30 in bulimia with binging and then purging to compensate my behaviors. So the reason I'm sharing this backstory is it wasn't until I was fully ready to face my fear of weight gain, which in all honesty for me and probably 99.9% of everyone I coach and speak to, facing the fear of weight gain is 99% of recovery. There's also stuff underneath why you're afraid of weight gain in the first place to do with childhood and not being seen and validated and loved. There's many layers to it. But when I was truly ready to face my fear of weight gain, I recovered literally a matter of months because I was all in. I didn't have one foot in the door, one foot out the door, one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake. So I guess the last thing before I hand it over to you, Julie, what I would say to that is if you're going all in with everything that you have and are capable of doing with the right support, I'm talking a matter of months, not years in recovery. And I'm curious about obviously your opinion on this. Yeah, I've, I kind of interpreted the question in a different way, actually. Um, I kind of interpreted it as to like, is there the weight gain and facing that? Is there then healing relationship with exercise? And what kind of stages go when Mm. was my interpretation of the question. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) I'll kind of talk to both, if that's okay. Yeah, please. I, I spent a very long time in denial 
complete denial that I had any problem at all. And then just fighting against having a problem. Mm. And then when I finally hit rock bottom and discovered that I literally had to admit it, had to ask for help, had to face everything. I then was a bit like you. I'm really bloody minded, really determined. And I was just like, well, it's do or die. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do absolutely everything. I'm also, well, maybe not so much now, but I was a very compliant person. Oh, you And were. that I could... <laughs> that I managed to turn around instead of being compliant to the eating disorder to being very compliant to do what I was told to do my, by my incredible coach. So in that way, I guess I was probably quite an easy client. Very. Yes, <laughs> very, I must say, very um, easy. <laughs> so then um, because I literally went all in was incredibly compliant and did everything I was told. Again, it was a matter of months. But in the timeline of weight restoration and mental recovery and all that sort of thing, I would say, first of all, I gained weight very quickly. Um, A lot of that was edema for me as well. And I had to stop all exercise and low level movement because I had such a compulsive relationship with it Mm -hmm. so as I was going all in I ate everything I needed to eat and I was actively looking for um what was it I had one of my clients gave me an amazing phrase um concentrated calories that was it So food with a lot of calories in. I love that phrase, concentrated calories. So good. Because it has no morality Um, to it either. No. So things like nuts and cheese and things with lots of fats in and lots of proteins and stuff that I could basically get a lot of calories and energy and nutrients from Mm. without having to feel that difficulty of feeling really really full so I was still getting all the calories in but in a an easier way for my mind to handle yes as like the feelings in my body I suppose um so yeah I went all in with that and with not exercising and then doing all the work I suppose I needed to weight restore somewhat before my mind could even focus on doing any of the mental work, any of the childhood trauma and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And I felt that I was pushing against that a bit to begin with because it was so frightening and it was just so much to cope with and learning that I'd been living in some kind of fantasy world that I'd created to protect myself from my reality. Mm. That was hard to cope with. Um, so I was kind of, that came second to the weight restoration. Yeah. But I, for me, I actually think the physical healing within my body has probably taken the longest Mm. for all the edema to go down, for my body to stop 
hurting for my digestion to heal, for my nails to stop snapping, for my hair to stop falling out. That's all taken a really quite a long time. Yeah. And so I would say that that's one of the last things. And I don't think, I think my body trusts me so much more than she used to. So much more. But I still think my body doesn't fully, fully trust me. Mm. Um, and I say this because there's still the occasional night where I wake up and I need to have a snack because my body doesn't trust that I'm going to give her enough food. Mm. Um, it's normally if I've been extra busy in the day or something and I must have needed more fuel that I hadn't accounted for. Yeah. Not that I count calories because I don't. Um, so, yeah, I would say the physical healing comes last for me, but I think everybody is very different. And obviously I had 40 years of yeah. healing to do. So yeah. that's that's a lot of work for one body to deal with, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I'll speak to it a little bit because I interpreted the question differently. So it might be helpful to share with <laughs> you. You, I was going to say something to do with the the length of time that you was in severe restriction for, in my opinion, again, is in direct reflection of perhaps not that it would take another 40 years for your body to physically recover, obviously, but it it's taken longer for your physical body to do the repair works internally because yes. of the length and the depth of restriction that you were in. Whereas for me, I was in, of course, severe restriction in the anorexia only for about, I say only four years is more than enough to be in anorexia, like clinically, uh, clinical anorexia. Um, and I was still pretty young. I was under 20. So then when my anorexia morphed into like bulimia, at least the binges were keeping me alive in a way. So when I would eat like yeah. so much food in one go, and then I would then compensate or try to compensate, I was at least getting a lot of food in and nourishment in until I was 30, until decided that actually I really want to truly recover and not have any kind of eating disorder. So for me, when I started true recovery, I guess my body, even though I was not mentally recorded in any way, shape or form, my body leading up to that decision of when I was 30 of being like, no, I'm ready to fully go all in, even though I was still very lean and I won't use the percentage of body fat, but I was very low body fat then. At least I'd had some kind of inner repair work from the binging that was happening leading up to this point. So when I fully committed, I gained weight very quickly, like so quickly that I would get a bright red stretch marks on my skin because my skin couldn't keep up with the fat that it was storing. And as you can imagine, I hadn't rewired my fear of weight gain then, because obviously that for me, not obviously, but that took the longest. So I was in a fatter body. I've spoke to this before, but I still mentally had an eating disorder. And that was, I don't know what got me through that. It was literally that not willpower because it's different to the pure will within you of wanting yeah. something so badly. And for me, it was like absolute freedom and acceptance and authenticity of who I was that's what got me through that phase where I was in a bigger body that I didn't like so I hadn't done any of the body image work yet because I gained weight so fast I then had to just be in I would say for about eight weeks a couple of months in the stage where I hated my body as I was rewiring my fear of weight gain as I was doing all the psychological stuff the the childhood trauma stuff, the self-love stuff, the body image stuff. And then everything kind of fell into place for me. 
but that's where most people I say go wrong in quotes because there's no really right or wrong but that's where most people relapse if you like because they gain the weight first but they've not done the mental work or perhaps have the right support from someone who even knows what they're doing with that deep work and so they're Mm -hmm. living in a bigger body but they're still having an eating disorder in their mind right yeah that is really hard um Mm. and it's allowing yourself to feel uncomfortable yes and that's really hard to do when you've not allowed yourself to have feelings for so long yes um and I suppose that's another part of it isn't it accepting that you have feelings and learning how to feel them that's also a huge part that took me quite a while yeah that's so true Julie because I've noticed and I'm and curious if you've noticed this in your clients too those that work with me, including myself, with eating disorders or past eating disorders, we are all very highly intuitive and we feel emotions deeply. And so because we feel so deeply and we're so highly intuitive, there's so much pain there from childhood, depending on obviously the childhood we've had. The eating disorder is there as as a coping mechanism to support in a very disordered, harmful way. But at the beginning, it was supportive. And so when we're then letting go of the eating disorder, like you said, we're then left with these overwhelming feelings that we've been numbing and disassociating and running away from from restriction. That's another kettle of fish that we have to delve into and understand and feel. And ultimately, you cannot heal from an eating disorder. It's impossible to heal from an eating disorder and not feel emotions you don't want to feel. Absolutely, it is. Um, and that's a practice. That yeah. doesn't ha- happen all at once, does it? It's not like you can feel stuff, you can like actually manage to feel something tomorrow and then you're done. It's, yeah. it's a, <laughs> such a practice. And it is allowing yourself to stop running, stop trying to distract yourself, stop looking for something else to take away the feeling and actually just sit there and be with it. So that's, yeah, that's another big phase that I think starts towards the end of weight restoration. I I felt the feeling started to really come in for me. Mm. And I would say it's still a practice. I'm so much better at it now so much better but I think naturally humans tend to run from their feelings yes for sure yeah and it is a practice and a beautiful practice for me it came when the weight gain happened and usually I would use restriction to cope and it relieves the anxiety in the moment even if the body's not changed immediately the anxiety is relieved a little bit because you're planning on a restriction or whatever it was but actually taking one day at a time that's what's got me through if I had sat in a bigger body without being mentally recovered yet and looked into the future that was overwhelming so I was like one day this day now at a time that is it so do whatever absolutely. I can do in this moment yeah absolutely I don't think you can do anything but one day at a time because it's just too much otherwise this is too overwhelming and there's too much unknown as well if you start looking into the what if this what if that 
and it's all what if there's no knowns exactly so just hold on so the advice I would give is for me I held on to the vision of what I wanted and I wanted freedom so I had like a vision of the direction of where I was going and I just took one day at a time and then I arrived I mean it never arrived right but I arrived in recovery land which is where I'm rocking around these days and I'm going different places in recovery land but before you know it you will get there and it is a matter of months if you go all in and ready to face the fit that fear of weight gain and feeling right yes I just wanted to quickly speak to when you said you knew what you wanted Mm. and that was freedom sometimes it's really hard to know what you want and if you don't know what you want, sometimes it's easier to say, what don't you want? Yes. And move don't want the hell of an eating disorder and move from there. Yeah. So when you don't want to stay in this hell, when you don't want to exist in this half-life prison, when you know what you don't want, you can start moving towards what you do want. Mm, I love that. Because I know to begin with, I found it really hard not to know what I wanted. Especially if you've never experienced freedom before. Yeah. Yeah, because I had, before I was nine, I vaguely remember being completely free in who I was. I mean, I understand now through childhood stuff, I actually wasn't, but as far as the eating stuff went, I was. So I had that vague intuitive memory of feeling free, which is why I knew what I wanted, but you didn't have that. No, no. So you create yeah, it. So I, I did find it hard to know what I did want. Mm. Um, but I did know what I didn't want. Yes. And so I could move from there. I knew what I wanted to leave behind. Very powerful. Very powerful. Right, let's have a look at the next one. So thank you for the question, Micah, if I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Okay, so now we've got, I do know this user, but they haven't put their name in the user. So I'm not going to say the name. And she would like us to speak to harmful treatment in inpatient eating disorder centers. She says in Germany, they're allowed to fixate you, force feed you, give you medication. Now, I have a lot to say on this. I don't want to take up too much time with this. And I want to offer you your um, thoughts first, Julia, on this. What do you what do you think about a patient inpatient treatment who are obviously being force fed Perhaps there's not a lot of compassion there. They're just there. They have to do what they have to do. And then when they weight restored off, they go. Like, what's your opinion on that? Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? I don't want to say anything's right or wrong because it's not. And for some people, that somebody else taking the responsibility of it weight restoring them is something that they've not been able to do themselves and if that happens and you can get the mindset of okay now I am taking on more nutrition and my brain is able to function better Mm. and I can get the help to start doing the mental work then it can be really really helpful but I have so many people telling me and experiences that it hasn't been beneficial for a lot of people. And I, 
my opinion, this is just my opinion, it's not right or wrong, is that if you take responsibility for your own recovery, that is where your power lies. And if somebody else is force feeding you and medicating you, that's not your responsibility. And you can almost shift the blame onto them and still keep, I suppose, in cahoots with the eating disorder saying, this is not my fault. Somebody else is doing it to me. Mm. And that's not recovery. Yeah, I agree so much. And also there's a part of rebellion within that. Yes. I was forced into recovery and thank goodness I loved my horse because I was very privileged to have a freaking horse when I was younger I had to pay for it with my own money that my grandma gave me but you know I was very privileged to have a horse when I was younger and thank goodness the I loved my horse more than I loved the eating disorder so that was used against me um so basically it was if you don't eat this we're selling the horse and I knew my mum was being serious because she wanted me to live right I was slowly dying so thank fuck I loved my horse more than the eating disorder and I would sit there and like I wasn't inpatient I was like out I was I had all the appointments but I wasn't in the pay I was like given um regimented rules and foods like outside with my parents supervision and so I would sit and eat and like literally physically scratch down my face because I I hated I did not want to eat so that did save my life but in a way if I had been given the space and I'm saying this with love because everyone who I am assuming everyone who works in inpatient treatment centers I'm assuming they want to help that's just an assumption right I'm assuming whatever they're doing whether I agree with it or not they're wanting to help people get better that's what I'm just gonna that's the story I'm creating around this to make me feel better about this you know but like you said, true recovery never happens until you take full responsibility for your own recovery yes. journey because I was rebelling against the pressure and the force feeding. And I was like, fuck you. But whereas if I had been given the space and the education, what I was doing to my body, if I'd spoken to someone with anorexia who hadn't got better, I guess if I'd given if I'd had access to a coach like you and I, who had been there, who had recovered, who gets it, and I'd chosen, I want recovery. I mean, I'm glad I didn't choose that because I wouldn't have gone through the journey I've been through and I wouldn't be here now, but I would have recovered within, you know, before my twenties, potentially. So I think I'm kind of going off the question here. Let me just bring myself back into the question. What do I think about it? I've there's so much I think about. I don't think it's right, but at the same time, if someone's just trying to save someone's life and otherwise they would actually physically die, yeah, then I see the reason for it. But then comes the question of if someone doesn't want to recover, why should we force them? Yes, but then there's the do they have the mental capacity because the eating disorder takes away so much of that very true cannot think clearly when you don't have when your brain is simply not working properly oh it's starving it's not nourished yeah so you might not want to recover because you can't think clearly but if you could think clearly you might want to recover so it's a it's a minefield Mm. but what I do know is I do think it could be hugely improved 
Yes. And I do think love and compassion could be brought into it. And I do think that it would benefit so much from having more people who have recovered and are coaching Mm. to help because there is no logic in an eating disorder and the fears and the rules and stuff, they don't make any sense. No. So if you've never experienced it, if you've never lived it, how can you get your head around that? Because it's really, it's like lunacy. It doesn't make any sense. The fears don't make any sense. Yes. It doesn't make them any less real, any less scary. But if you haven't lived it, you don't really have much of a chance of understanding it. Yeah, I agree with that. And there's a sign on my wall, and I always have said this before. It actually said chocolate is the answer. Who cares what the question is? I'm going to, I also believe that to be true. But on a serious (laughs) note, love is always the answer. So if we're, I mean, you and I have a dream of opening a recovery center one day where it's accessible for as many people as possible and it's filled with so much love and compassion and showing them how to take responsibility. There's so much there that can be improved because love is always the answer, isn't it? With everything. Always. Yeah. Yeah. And that can include tough love. Definitely. But still coming from a place of love. Yes, definitely. So, So that's a big question and like we could really do a whole episode on that like with me planning and things what I wanted to say but I did want to speak to her question because you know I've had many clients come to me and I know you have too where they've been in inpatient treatment centers and they're literally traumatized very much so yes yeah it's done more damage yes it's done done much more damage than good it's almost like this is no comparison, by the way, but I have random things come to me and I just say it because something sometimes it makes sense for someone else. If someone has never been to a gym before ever and they want to get strong and they're learning how to do a squat for the first time ever, if a personal trainer who knows what the fuck they are doing is training a person to squat with correct form so they don't injure their body, it's a lot easier for the personal trainer and the client than a per- than a client going to a personal trainer who has trained herself or by a shit personal trainer before. Her, her squat form is, isn't good. She's actually harming her body in the squat form with weight on. And the yeah. personal trainer is trying to recorrect what the person's squat already is. It's a lot more challenging to recorrect that squat when it's already been performed badly so many times does that make sense yes it does yeah and I just I don't know part of me just feels that sometimes impatient seems to be a punishment for being ill yes yes yeah I get it and that's Um, completely not right and that's taking the love away straight away yeah 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 so love is we need to pour more love and compassion in and we need to create more space to get to to the inner work because it's not just about I even I say weight restoration. I wasn't even weight restored when I was like signed off because I was still underweight for me. So yeah. time more time needs to be taken. And I know the resources aren't there and you know we're not the government, but this is a big fucking problem. It is. It is. 
Um, but yeah, it boils down in my eyes to love and compassion. Yeah, me too. And responsibility. Yeah. Allowing people to have responsibility for themselves. And actually, no, I'm off on a tangent. And I, I was just, a lot of times people are not consulted about what's right for them. Yeah, everyone's different. It's a tick box. It and is. Everybody's different. Yeah, so true. Yeah, so I hope we answered your question a little bit. Um, Queen Blank, who I know who you are, but you will know who you are listening to this. Let's move on to, I'm excited to talk about this. ML from Instagram wants us to talk about real life on laxatives, right? Julia, you can <laughs> share what she said to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, first of all, if we're laughing and making light yes. of this, when you're in it, it's, I was going to say it's shit, but. <laughs> Unintended. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it is serious and it is awful. And, and we're bringing humour into recovery, but I very, very clearly remember how awful it was and how much horror we're prepared to tolerate yeah. to obey the eating disorder. And that's just shocking um so yeah ml said that we were free to share <laughs> that she has really struggled abusing laxatives um and taken so much that she's had the shit running down her leg in the supermarket because that's what laxatives do and that is the hard harsh reality yeah of what happens when you abuse them and and why I mean, it it, it yeah. gets, we go back to like all this and we'll talk about our personal experiences when we were addicted to laxatives and the eating disorder but if you zoom out and look at what the fuck are we all doing to ourselves I know it's a yeah. coping mechanism but for what reason why mm -hmm. are we doing this to ourselves that's not happy, is it? That's not achieving anything. It's, it is horror. It's, it's a nightmare. And mm. actually, the laxatives don't actually particularly work in no. keeping weight down or anything anyway. It's just grasping at straws, isn't it? It's, yeah. But, oh. Why? Yeah. Why is a really great question. Well, let's look at the small version of why. So my why was I knew because I researched because I tried and tried and tried again to make myself physically vomit with my toothbrush. Thank fuck I couldn't do that because that would be another purging behavior that I would be having to heal from. So I tried to vomit because I thought that was the most what word do I even want to use? Like the quote, best way, <laughs> yeah, the, the best way to compensate for what I'd eaten. I couldn't do that, thankfully. So the second best way for me was, well, exercise and laxatives. So I knew that by the time the lax by the time the food got from your stomach to your digestion, calories were absorbed anyway, because I was had a fear of weight gain, obviously. But for me, it was more a sense of I need to feel clean, empty. It was that word empty. If I could feel empty, yeah. I was safe. And 
the consequences I had was, and I'm sure you had the same, and I'm sure anyone else who is experiencing this has the same, my stomach was actually bloated a lot of the time because there was so much inflammation from the amount that I was taking. It was so sore. And if I physically touched my stomach, it was so sore and sensitive. And obviously you're just shitting water, aren't you? Because there's nothing in there to shit out apart from water. You, we're going to go there because that's what people want. Your, your bum hole is actually sore from wiping water shit the whole time. It's yes, actually it is. sore. So you didn't ever fart. Didn't fart like a like a normal person would just no, because that's just that hot, wet, nasty feeling happens, and then you're just like, oh god. Yeah, and it's for me. It was every time I ate something, I had to take them, and my digestive system was in a shit state. Law, like pun intended, pun actually not intended. Then. I was bloated, I was sore, I was in fear. I was like, I need to have them with me at all times else I'm not okay. It was like, I became, I don't like to use the word addicted, but I was so reliant and dependent on having them with me at all times. And I'd buy different brands and different makes and have them in excess just in case I ran out. And the reality of it is, I mean, I don't want to scare anyone here, but at the same time I do, because this is really harming, we're harming ourselves. I know someone who is my mum's friend, who was anorexic as a teenager up until her mid twenties. She's not in anorexia anymore. She definitely has some disordered eating there in my opinion, but because she misused laxatives for so long, she physically cannot go to the toilet herself now. She has to have this special medication from the doctors, which again is basically another laxative. And she takes an hour to sit on the toilet because she can't push herself. Because she, she's completely destroyed her digestive, her, what is it, your intestines, the lower part of the digestive system. She can't go to the toilet by herself. And that is the danger when we're doing these types of behaviors and we're self-harming in this way. And laxative addiction or laxative reliance was a really 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 hard thing for me to let go of especially when I started to eat more because if I didn't take laxatives at least I would restrict so at least I wouldn't have anything to get rid of yeah um that I tried to purge with vomiting as well and it it wasn't something that I could do um I did try I had a couple of successes but it was so awful and yeah, I just couldn't, it was just horrendous, but I did take laxatives more so in the last few years. I had a lot of shame around it. I used to go to lots of different shops to get yes. some so that people didn't notice, I suppose. I would even drive to different towns. Um, I had so much shame around it. And it, it, the crazy thing was I never had particular problem going to the loo anyway so it was nothing to do with that it was when you said clean and empty mm -hmm. it was clean that was the thing that it made me feel clean and dirty yeah oh my god that is oh cold shiver that's exactly what it is isn't it yeah yeah because yeah, it did make me feel so dirty mm. and there were plenty of occasions where I did end up like I woke up and I must have like gone in my sleep and stuff and 
I was just mortified and disgusted with myself. And yeah, it is it's horrible and just stop, just yeah. stop. Yeah, it's, I mean, any eating disorder is self-harm, but that yeah. particular behavior, I mean, it's all self-harming, but that for me, it didn't even make me feel, made me feel empty, which is what I was seeking, right? But it's, it's not even like, if, what I'm trying to say is in the restriction, I had a lot of euphoria moments of highs of restricting and feeling good about that. And for a while it served me until it didn't, but the laxative abuse, it didn't serve me in any way apart from yeah. it psychologically thought made me feel like I was empty, but the, the side effects were horrible. The amount I was taking, it's dangerous. Yeah. And they're so easily available as well. Yes. And that's, that's a very frightening part of it. Yeah. Um, but there's, there are no benefits to it. it that's all psychological. There are no yeah, physical benefits to it. It's Exactly. And even more so, let's say it obviously pushes the lower part of the digestion system through faster. Any nutrients that your body perhaps could have absorbed, which you need because you're in a restrictive eating disorder, it's not getting it. So it's just an extra way to just harm yourself and have malnutrition from any foods yeah. that you are eating. And even dehydration. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was so fucking thirsty the whole entire time. Yeah, because it takes the water out of your system. I was dizzy, headaches, mm. low energy, feeling off, feeling absolutely physically awful. Yeah, the headaches were a huge part, actually. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Did I write anything that I need to haven't spoke to? No, I've spoken to all of that, but yeah, it's not a nice place to be. How did I stop? I'm just thinking back because I actually took them all the way up to when I was 30, but not in the same way as that I was during the anorexia, the hard bulimia. It was just, again, that I don't, this is what your reflection from what you brought in. I don't want to feel that way anymore physically. So yeah. I would rather have restricted even more, even though that's self-harm too, than physically do that to my body with what I was taking in ingesting by the laxatives. Yeah. Wanting something different for myself and not wanting to, the headaches, I can't believe I didn't even bring those up, the excruciating headaches. You can't function. No. No, you're just like zombified. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, And when you do stop you do need to be prepared to be uncomfortable oh my god yeah when you don't go to the toilet that next day you do need to be prepared and you're going to feel bloated and you're going to feel uncomfortable and you're going to feel like you've broken your body yeah yeah and that it doesn't work anymore and that you have a reliance and you're going to want to start to take them because yeah. you think your body's not going to work Yes. But you have to give your body that chance. It will work. Yeah. And um, fats actually are really, really helpful. Mm. It's not having more fiber, not in this situation. No. It's having more fats. And that is what actually gets your body able to move again. But you need to give your body a chance because it's not going to heal all at once. No. And that's that one day at a time again. Yeah. I think that's a the theme, isn't it? One day at a time. And I remember... Yeah. 
stopping and then not going to the toilet for like four days and me feeling like an absolute elephant when of course I wasn't but and then thinking oh my god every food I've eaten which wasn't a lot is getting it's just building up in me well actually your body's probably like thank fuck we actually have food to work with here let's use all of it and divert it around your body to get things done that we need to get done so again that fear that false experience appearing real although it feels very real it's not real. So be in the moment now, one day at a time through giving up yeah. last abuse, rehealing from an eating disorder, leaving an abusive relationship one day at a time. Yeah. One thing I just wanted to mention when you're saying about not going to the toilet for days, and that is what huge amount of people experience. Mm. I experienced the opposite. And I yeah. thought I was never, ever going to be able to have another solid poo again. In recovery. Yeah, I yeah. just thought it was just constant liquid. I thought I'd ruined my body to be able to even form proper poo <laughs> <laughs> from the laxatives. Yeah. So not everybody gets the same symptoms mm -hmm. and that's okay. They're yes. all still from the same thing. Yes, but trust your body. Yeah. because that she old saying feel. I mean who is it who else says it the best time to plant a tree is 100 years ago the second best time is today yes so whether you're thinking oh I've ruined myself because I legit thought I'd ruin my metabolism from dieting and restricting and I thought I could be in starvation mode and never eat without getting fat for the rest of my life I thought I'd ruin my digestive system, but you know what? I just thought I want recovery. I'm just going to give it all I've got, trust the process. And then thank God my body's completely healed. My digestive system is awesome. Yeah. And I wouldn't be here if I hadn't given myself that chance and just pushed through and been through the hell of, I mean, I want to say the hell of recovery. The eating disorder hell is much worse, but there is some recovery hell that we spoke to last episode. Yes, there is. Yeah, but it's hell with hope. Oh, God, look at you with your one-liners today. <laughs> Clean and dirty, that was definitely one. Yeah. Hell and hope. Hell with hope. That needs yeah. to be the title. Hell with hope, yes. Hell with hope with Julian Victoria. Yes. Amazing. Let's oh. go on to... I feel like I need to turn my light on soon. I might get up in a minute and turn my light on. Let's go on to being a bitch. Now, this is also from L ML. And the reason I put that down to speak to today is because for me, when I was in the eating disorder, number one, I was hangry all the time, most of the time. In the anorexia, I wasn't hangry because I didn't want to eat. But anyone that encroached on my eating disorder space, anyone that offered me food, anyone that tried to get me to eat, I would be so angry and defensive against them entering my space and I don't want to I spoke first last time so do you want to speak because I know you're you very well obviously and I know you and how you feel now you're connected to your feelings so I'm curious because I don't know the answer to this myself with you was you able to feel and access the feeling of anger during your eating disorder no I wasn't so I didn't get angry with people but I was cold mm. I was very, not just physically cold, which I was, um, but I was very cold to people. I was very, I suppose, nonchalant. Yeah. And um, I could very easily 
given I mean my children used to hate my looks <laughs> I so could chill. give a really cold look I could be I suppose quite scathing in how I acted towards people and um yeah I could without being angry or raising my voice or anything I could show a lot of displeasure and irritation I suppose mm -hmm. and I also did silence very very well yeah so I would withdraw be very silent I wouldn't speak I wouldn't look at people um and yeah if so I I suppose questioning me about food have you eaten today and mm -hmm. stuff like that I would be what what right do you have to question me defensive yeah um I don't why, why are you checking up on me and all mm. that sort of thing so I'd be I suppose accusing people of being unpleasant rather than caring yeah yeah same especially when I, I have two like different memories really of anger and eating disorder so in the anorexia of course when anyone especially my mom Oh, have you eaten today? Let's go here. I would, it would, she may as well have pulled a gun to my head. The amount of fear I had, but then I expressed that through anger and annoyance at, at my mum with her offering to check up that I'd eaten. And I was like, get off my back, stop encroaching on my eating disorder and my rules. I didn't say these words, but that's what was going on. I hate you, get away from me. I actually told her I hated her and of course I didn't. I hated what she was making me do when I didn't want to do it and that was recovery. But then when I was in the bulimia, I remember one, one time is actually sticking out to me. I used to work in a bank after I stopped working with horses and I had a really good friend called Jazz and me and him would go to the um, to the town for lunch. And because back then I was either on the diet, on the wagon and eating perfectly and clean, or I was off the wagon and binging my face off for a week before I restricted again for two weeks, depended on what I would eat when we would go out for lunch together. And so I had decided that this, this particular week I was on it again and I was like being super strict and calorie counting and all the things. And I met him for lunch and I had to nip somewhere and I nipped somewhere and came back and he'd got me as a surprise, one of my favorite Thorntons, which anyone who doesn't know what Thorntons is, it's like a chocolate company. Thornton's melted chocolate pot with like marshmallows, caramel chunks, this huge big dessert that I used to love. And on a quote binge day, I would have it like happily. And he brought me one of them without me initiating it. And he didn't know about my eating disorder. And so I was so fuming, not towards him because then I felt bad that because he didn't know what was going on and he was trying to be nice but inside I was literally I I actually wanted to like hit him or something because I was like how dare you like put that in front of my face so then I was like having to make a decision do I make an excuse and not have it and stay eating clean or do I press the fuck it button again and binge my face off again so all he was doing on the outside is offering me something that he knew I loved but inside, oh my God, the emotional turmoil that was going on and a lot of anger, like how fucking dare he? And he didn't have no idea, but I was so angry. And those that I was closest to, my mom, hi Evie, hopefully Evie, hi Daisy, in the background. Sorry. 
those that I was closest to, my mom, my dad, my sister, were the ones that I didn't hold back from my anger with. And those listening might relate to this. So whoever you're closest to, you obviously are your more your more authentic express self. So I was very angry, um, resentful, defensive towards my mom in particular. Even when I was in the bulimia and she would like want to take me out for coffee and it would be a Wednesday. I couldn't go out for a coffee on Wednesday because then I might be tempted to eat cake. So it has to be on a Saturday only. Yeah, I was really manipulative. Oh yes. I was deeply manipulative Um, Mm. and very secretive and devious as well yeah and I I suppose that is being a bitch isn't it that is yeah because it's it's not it's not just about not, anger is it and it's not who you really are I think that's what we want to emphasize yeah. here yeah I wasn't open <clears throat> honest I was very manipulative I suppose a defense mechanism was by making pulling guilt trips on other people as well. Mm, yeah. Which is a horrible thing to do. But it works. Effectively, yeah. I was quite good at it. <laughs> <laughs> not not my proudest moments, but Yeah, what well, we go into depth on this is the this is why I was confused when I was recommending the last episode we did, because you, Carla, and I did an episode called Weird Shit the E D made us do. And we spoke all speak a lot about the lies and the manipulation that yeah. we had in the yeah. eating disorder. So go back and watch or listen to that if you're wanting to know more about that. But I think to answer this question, when I was in an eating disorder, I was not my true self. I mean, obviously, but in terms of like, now I'm happy and bubbly and peaceful and and positive and open and yes I've worked on myself but back then I was in fear I was in fight or flight and freeze most of the time I was in a defensive isolated state of being I didn't have the capacity to be kind and loving because I wasn't being that to myself so I couldn't be it and receive it from others so it wasn't me when I was in eating disorder yeah that is the nail on the head, isn't it? It you're not who you are at all when you're in the eating disorder. And I didn't like the person I was either. Mm, no, I didn't either. And I felt guilty about that. So I'd snap yeah. and be angry and defensive. And then afterwards I'd feel so bad and guilty that I was angry, snappy, and defensive and shame myself. It gave me an, an extra excuse to just be even harder on myself. Yeah. And to restrict harder because now look what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we want to speak to. And then the last one, have you got 10, 15 minutes, Julia? Yeah. Yeah, we'll do. By Emma, M's, M's B, M's underscore B, feeling lazy and worthless for not achieving anything after spending so long in the eating disorder. Do you want to start with that? Um, no, you can start. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think that I know she's, cause I'm looking at the specific question. I know she said feeling lazy and worthless because she's been in the ED for so long, but I, it's all interconnected for me. So feeling lazy and worthless is one of the reasons why the eating disorder would have been created in the first place to feel there's many reasons why it's created, but to feel good at something, um, 
to not be lazy because I I grew up with if you sat and watched TV in the afternoon, then that's lazy and you know that's not a good thing and there's shame in that. So in the eating disorder, moving a lot and this is linked to being busy and getting stuff done and cleaning and only sitting down when you've done everything on your to-do list, it's linked to not allowing yourself to rest. So I would ask Emma to look at her beliefs around what lazy and worthless actually means and why does achieving something, what or why does not achieving something mean that you're lazy, lazy and worthless? So I would start there. Yeah, Um I know Emma and I believe that this is coming from a place of she hasn't achieved in her life what she would like to have achieved by now because she's been ill for so long and unable to reach the I suppose accolades that no that's not the right word is it you know what I mean and able well, I to did, do... it sounded a great word to me so just go all with right it. We'll go with it. To reach the accolades that she had hoped to achieve by this point in her life. Mm. But the eating disorder has held her back, which has made her feel lazy and worthless. Okay. So is that, I mean, I know you and I both have the same question around this, I'm sure. Is that true that you are lazy and worthless because you've been unable, current until now, unable to heal from the eating disorder? Why does that make you lazy and worthless? Yeah, very good point. That's right. And is what other people have done bear any relevance to mm. your own capabilities? Yeah. And you're very, very worthwhile and have made a huge difference to people's lives around you all the time and you don't even know it mm. because we all have. Yeah. And... She is exactly where she is supposed to be, even if she doesn't feel that to be true. I know it to be true. And how do I know? Because there she is. Yes. And hindsight's yeah. a fine thing, right? Coulda, shoulda, woulda. But remember how we... St oh, this is a beautiful way to wrap up with this last question. Remember how we started this episode. Grace asked us, would we go back and change anything? We yeah. both answered, no, we actually wouldn't. And we gave the reasons why. So... If Emma could go back and heal from the eating disorder sooner, she wouldn't be the woman who is waiting for her to step into when she's healed fully this time. She's going to miss so many golden nuggets of growth and understanding who she is if she'd recovered sooner. So actually, she's exactly where she's supposed to be. And the biggest question is, Emma, what are you going to do now? Because that's what you do have choice with. What about Absolutely. now? Because this is all, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, all been for a purpose. Yeah. There's been a reason that your soul has chosen to experience life in this way. 100%. And it's all leading to the woman you're going to be, the woman you're becoming, the woman you're stepping into, mm. that's going to, is here to make a huge contribution to the world. Yeah, and who wouldn't be the woman that you will be if you hadn't been through everything you've been through and where you still currently are right now. Yeah. So use where you are now as stepping stones, like use your pain, if you like. This is what I did. Metaphorically, use your pain as stepping stones 
to get you where you want to be. And then also a mindset suggestion here. It's always a question. What benefit are you getting from staying in the story of I am worthless and lazy because I've been in an eating disorder and haven't achieved X, Y, and Z? How is that benefiting you? And what's stopping you from letting that go, forgiving yourself for the things that you feel you need to forgive yourself for? In my opinion, there's no forgiveness needed, but sometimes we need to forgive ourselves for something we think we need to forgive ourselves for and move forward because life is happening now. Again, that tree quote, the best time to plant a tree. Yeah, it was 100 years ago or let's go 50 years ago, depending on the type of tree, I guess. (laughs) Second best time is now. Yeah. But again, letting go is another practice. Absolutely, yeah. It's not, not just, just okay, one and done. let go of that now. I've just decided to yeah. let it go. Yeah, off it goes. Then yeah. it's a practice. Over and over again to choose to let it go. And letting yeah. go is, there's a great book called, it's kind of a, it's not a religious book and I'm not religious. It sounds more religious than it is. It's called The Art of Letting Go by the wisdom of St. Francis, something like that, the art of letting go. Have you read, did I recommend that to you? Have you read that? Yeah. It's a great book. It's on my Kindle. I might be able to get the actual title. Hang on. Yeah, it's a great book. And I used, I was listening. I literally, I listened to Audible. And during my recovery, I was really wanting to understand how to let go. So anything to do with surrender, letting go, acceptance, I would consume And of course, it's an experience and state of being. It's not something you can understand intellectually. You have to experience the feeling of letting go. But the more you understand it, when you experience it, you can't find it. No. And when you feel that you've let go, you will know about it because it will no longer be bearing the weight of it within you somehow. Yeah, absolutely. But it is very much a practice and it kind of feels like well I don't know how to let go Mm. and how do I let go it's there I can't stop thinking about it Mm. it's just choosing to give those thoughts your energy or choosing to say I don't want to give these thoughts my energy yes and you are where your attention is yeah so just focus on so choose to let it go even saying out loud I choose to let this go now and it yes. can energetically or physically imagine like whether it's in your head or in your heart or in your body, it like physically, you can even like physically like pretend to get something from you and put it away from you, depending on what resonates. I wrote it down a lot and screwed it up and threw it away. Yeah. Literally, I put the thought on paper, Yeah, I screwed it up and threw it away. For a statement and you can yeah. learn it. And so those can help. It is a state of being, being in surrender, but physical things such as that can help you to understand and feel the experience of, oh, wow, that's what it feels like to let it go. It's not saying that what you're letting go of is okay, you approve of it or what someone's done. You're just choosing for it to no longer hold you back or hold you down or suffer anymore. Yeah. And you have the power to do that, Emma, as we all do. And with kindness and compassion and self-love, as again, love is always the answer. Always. Whatever the question. Whatever the question. So that being said, Julia, have you got anything we haven't said that you want to say until next time? Because we'll be doing this regularly. And 
listen to this queens next time julia and i will be an actual person so we'll both be here yes. somehow actually together recording so that's going to be very exciting very very excited for that yeah. um i guess just keep your questions coming in mm -hmm. what you want us to talk about what you yeah. want us to answer um yeah it's it's great to be able to have these questions so that we can directly talk because don't think that your question mm. is silly or not worth asking because I can guarantee you if you want to know somebody else will yes and so your questions help other people as well and they help so us because they give us something in. to chat about and to talk absolutely. about absolutely yeah I agree so and all of you that I've sent in questions that we haven't spoke to this time as I say we've got a list going so we will we won't be missing any we will we'll be getting through them so keep sending sending them to me and or Julia we've got a shared now it's shared because I sent a request to Julia like <laughs> oh, she didn't even realize it so I was just on my list but that being said we've got a shared list so we both are putting the questions on together so please let us have your questions and please let us know what you think of this episode and we love you so much so much yep loads of love and yeah, yeah we'll see you to the two of us will see you in a month we will much love Mwah. bye